Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, the best place to get your Cal United fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Dan McLennan. There's only one thing we're going to be discussing on today's episode and that's the opening fixture of the season and the long-awaited return of all fans to Brunton Park for a league fixture. Yes, it's that time, finally, the opening day of the season. A chance for all our hopes and dreams to be crushed in 19 minutes of action. Dan, how's it going, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Looking forward to it. Pretty exciting, isn't it, really? Especially, I mean, I think the thing that's got me a little bit excited is that the club obviously tweeted about the ticket sales so far for the game this weekend, and... When they said it's already at 4K, I thought, oh, could get a 6 or 7K here potentially, couldn't we? It's yeah, a, I would, I would imagine there'll be quite a few go down today, Friday, and we're recording Thursday, it'll be Friday by the time you're listening. Mm. I'd see a lot going down Friday, and then you've got a lot of people who uh, who will wait until the day because of, you know, the pandemic and, yeah, you know, exactly. not, not wanting to, to buy the ticket in case they have to isolate and all that sort of stuff, but... Yeah, on course. I mean, you you sent me that uh, tweet from Tranmere yesterday. Yeah, and I think they had sold was it five thousand three hundred. Yeah, but twelve hundred of them were Walsall, which is a hell of an so, impressive you know, attendance for Walsall. Yeah, actually, for Walsall, yeah. yeah. But no, that sort of shows we're on a par with say Tranmere, who were quite a similar sized club in in all honesty to ourselves. So. Yeah, I think it shows that fans are just excited about going back to the football as well. Yeah. If, if Walsall are selling twelve hundred for Tat Tranmere, yeah, again, you you probably normally expect them to be, take maybe five or six hundred. Yeah. So I, I don't think it'll make much difference with the Colchester numbers, but you never know. No, you never know. Uh, you never know. I mean, speaking obviously we'll hear later in the episode we had a chat with a couple of Colchester fans from their podcast um, they suggested that neither of them are going up but I, you know, I don't know if that's reflective of Colchester fans you never know do you so there you go it is a long way to be fair yeah it's a hell of a long way um, alright well let's get into it before we get onto the news uh, we've got another competition Dan we've got a chance to win a lovely pair of jazzy socks yes our friends at uh, the Sock Council uh, if you give them a follow on Twitter if you can they've got some terrific socks in there I've got a few of them before um, they've given another prize to give away the same people who basically do the football bobbles uh, stuff so you might remember last season we gave away a bucket hat and also a, a bobble hat styled in the 94-95 uh, season kit the uh, famous title winning side um, so we've got a pair of those socks to give away and uh it's really easy to take part in this competition. There's no sort of quiz knowledge you need for this. It's a bit of guessing, really, and a bit of a predicting. So what we want to know is, who do you think is going to score United's first goal of the 2021-22 season? Now, all you have to do then is go on Twitter or go on Facebook or send us an email with your prediction and you're, part, you're entered into the competition. And it's only one entry, so no emailing us then... Facebooking us and then tweeting us. Yeah, don't take the mick. Don't take you the mick. Cheeky we, devils. Yeah, we know. We we know who you are. We we've got our knowledge. Um, yeah, so it really is as simple as that. All you have to do is guess who it's going to be. Um, just to clarify a few things. Um, obviously, Dan's mentioned there. You can only have one entry per person. Um, it's the first goal scored by a Carla United player. So, if the, our first goal of the season is scored by a Colchester player, and that is an own goal. It doesn't count until a Carlisle player scores the goal. 
So, for example, let's like say let's say Shamal George throws one in his own net. That doesn't count. And then Brennan Dickinson goes and scores the second goal of the game. Brennan Dickinson would be the winning answer. Simple as that. So there you go. Um, and this will run until we score. So if, if Saturday's a nil-nil draw, <laughs> then it'll roll over to the Sheffield United game. If we don't score in that, it'll roll over to the Swindon game. And hopefully it'll it'll be sorted within a couple of minutes of the Colchester game. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that one. So, Cheers. That's, that's just either drawing or getting yeah. beat on Saturday. <laughs> I'm just Sheffield absolutely hammering us. Absolutely jinxed it there. There you go. Um, so, yeah, so that's going to run until we score. Um, so, just go look on our social media feeds or drop us an email to bruntonbugle at gmail.com and uh, get your entry in. Okay, then, Dad, let's move on to the news. Uh, not a huge amount to cover here. Like I said, this, the first half of the show is going to be quite short, I think, today, it's fair to say. Um, first up, uh, I suppose it's sort of covering a bit of match action, really. Um, a pretty comfortable win over Halifax in the to end the preseason campaign. So yeah, beat, beat the uh, beat the national league side three nil. Um, don't think this one was a particularly taxing workout, was it, Dan? You didn't make it, but I think you sort of followed the game, didn't you? On Friday, night. yeah. Uh, Halifax, um, a lot of the non-league teams are a couple of weeks behind because they start a little bit later, and uh, Halifax were full of trialist A, B, C, eleven, wasn't there? Yeah. I think yeah. So it's. <laughs> It's not quite the uh, the exciting names who were promised in May, but mm. uh, you know all we could do was do our stuff. We won three nil. It's a clean sheet. Uh, bit of game time, no injuries, touch wood, and on we go. Yeah, you can't really complain too much because obviously goals from uh, Zach Clough, Manny Mampala, and an own goal from the Shaman uh, rounded off the result. Um, I suppose one real a couple of positives to take from this. Zach Clough scoring a, a free kick. That's got to be an encouraging side because we've sort of had a, a barren wasteland of free kicks for the last two seasons, direct ones at the very least anyway, haven't we? And Yeah, certainly since sort of Granger and Devitt left, you know, there's... Uh, yeah. Just pinged it over the much. wall and there's not really been anyone capable of doing that for a while, so... I think I think Dickinson's probably got a decent free kick, but he's, yeah, he's not... We've <laughs> just not played, has he? So we don't yeah. know really, we haven't really seen yet. But, but yeah, it's nice to obviously yeah, potentially have two threats there from set pieces on either side as well so and obviously then you've got uh, Callum Guy whipping them in for setting up the goals from out wide yeah, too so yeah. yeah it's always good to see and the other positive is by the looks of things no new injuries it looks like just a clean bill of health going into the season I think is... that was probably more to do with the uh, pace of the game than anything oh yeah definitely but I mean it, that it, it, we've got to look at that as a positive but obviously we'll cover that in the in the preview but the fact that we're going to be going to this opening game and you look and you think we've got pretty much the whole squad available to us. You can't really grumble too much, can you? It's no, no. Like it, but I think, like we said, it would have been nice to have a couple of harder tests, possibly over the uh, the uh, pre the um, preseason schedule. Okay, up next, Dan. It's the uh, other bit of news. It's the I follow details conferred for the new season. So, um, yeah, this, this is one that's um, sort of been bubbling over. Everyone's been wondering what's going to happen with it. Um, I think. The EFL were sort of keeping quiet, weren't they, essentially, because they wanted to see whether fans were definitely going to be coming back to games at the start of the season, leaving it as late as possible. But as it turns out, basically, I follow is going back to the way it was before the pandemic. So essentially, the uh, when fans were locked out of the majority of games last season, all games were open to I follow in the UK. They've always been open across the world, haven't they, basically? International yeah, yeah. viewers have always been able to watch them as long as it's not broadcast in their country. Um the system's obviously returned to the previous setup where, I mean, Saturday 3pm kickoffs now are blacked out, aren't they? So 
you can't watch a Saturday free weekend kickoff on iFollow in the UK most of the time. There are some exceptions, which we'll explain in a minute. Um, uh, I think this this was always going to happen, to be fair, wasn't it? It was always going to happen. Um, I I think it's inevitable it will change in the next couple of years. So I, I think the way the world's going, it's football. Yeah, yeah. Football in the world is not the same as it was 30 years ago when Sky started with the yeah, Premier League and that. The, the actual rule is, I think it's 2.45 to 5.15. Yeah. And you, you had the ridiculous situation a couple of years ago where I think Real Madrid-Barcelona was the 5pm game in La Liga yeah. on Sky. And we can only join it after 15 minutes. Yeah. Even though it wasn't even in this country, etc., you know. Yeah, exactly. It, it, was, it was just daft that, wasn't it, really? Um, so, as previously was the case, midweek games will be shown on iFollow, so if you, which is, I always found was a great thing for me because getting up from Liverpool could be quite difficult for midweek fixtures. Uh, not quite as difficult now with working from home and things like that. It should make it a little bit easier for me. And the train times are an absolute pain in terms of trying to get back as well, um, especially as they haven't put the full schedule back yet, have they done? I think me and no. you have got a bit of a bone of contention over that one. Yeah, um, there's, there's, there's a bit of a, a lighter timetable in operation yeah, I think on various routes. Uh, that'll probably change towards the end of the year, I hope, because it'll make it easy for me. There yeah. you go. So midweek games will be shown as long as they're not broadcast on Sky. Um, if they are, obviously you have to watch it on Sky. Um, additionally, now this is something that actually I think came in in the first season I followed, but then they dropped it. So they're bringing it back. But basically, um, Bank Holiday Monday games um, and international weekend games will be shown on iFollow as well. So that's where there's an exception in terms of the I would say, Saturday I would say good, good Friday will count under that as well, won't it? I wonder if they might say that they're counting that effectively as if it was a match yeah. day Saturday, possibly. Yeah. Same with Easter Monday. Um, and But although, to be honest, it's, it's always those ones are always at the discretion of the club. And they're good attendance since those games, yeah, so I yeah. can't I imagine we'll turn on and say, no, we're not going to be showing that one because we want you down yeah. at the ground watching the game. So um, so that's going to be the case, obviously. And as I mentioned there, no change for non-UK-based fans who can stream all the games as long as they're not being shown by the host broadcaster in their country of residence. So that's the changes for iFollow. But as, as we were saying there, I think in the next two or three years, you're going to find there'll be a bit of a change there because football's evolving, the world's evolving, the way we consume media is revolving so clubs have got to move with the times and i think yeah that, that's the way to look at it uh, and one just last bit last bit of news i mean it's it's we were going to do a reminder for this but actually it'll, it'll happen by the time you listen dan it's the fans forum which you're involved in uh, this evening as we record yeah we mentioned this uh on the the last episode uh well, the one before the season preview, that is. Uh, Chris Beach, uh, David Holdsworth and Nigel Clibbins uh, have been in a, a fans forum. We've had uh, several questions emailed across and the club uh, doing it, well, we're showing it live on YouTube. So having it, it's been now when you're listening to this. So if you go on the uh, club YouTube, you'll uh, be able to find that and watch it at your own leisure. Excellent, excellent. And I have to say, the last one was really good. And, and you know, a lot, a lot of people criticise the club and they say they're very secretive in the past and things like that. But I think actually they've been really open in the last few years. And especially with someone like Nigel Clibbins, the chief executive, it seems very keen on actually working with the fans, doesn't he? I and mean, we've seen that in <laughs> being acted, acted out, haven't we, every, every week? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good to see. Um, 
Okay, uh, last bit of sort of news, but it also ties in as well to a new feature we've got for this season. So, interesting, John Coleman spotted, didn't he, and the, the club put out their latest commercial brochure. And uh, it turns out the club are open to the idea of Brunson Park being renamed as part of any sort of sponsorship deal, aren't they? So, this is something that's... Um, they don't think they've ever sort of said before, have they, that they would do this? I mean, we've always always had stand sponsorship and stuff like that. Obviously, we know with the Pioneer stand, the East stand has been that for a while. And obviously, you've got the Pirelli fam. Was it one of the Pirelli sort of platinum suite stand? We've had the Cumberland family stand, things like that, haven't we? But Yeah, the, the Warwick Road end was the Newcastle International Airport end, wasn't it? And... <laughs> a bit of a mouthful, that really was. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody ever called it that, which is a, sums it up. Um, you'd think actually the water... But no, no, you've you, you just summed it up perfectly there. Nobody mm. ever called it that. Yeah, exactly. That, that That's one of the issues when you've got new standards in it and as i've said on, on on twitter and facebook the problem with stadium sponsorship is you never get as good a deal if a stadium has been called something for years and years and years because mm. the fans will just call it that that's well, why the, bolton and the Reeboks the main one isn't it yeah and then the, the thing with that is that's the best sponsorship deal bolton will ever have got because yeah. that name sticks i still call it the Reebok occasionally yeah. i always forget it's, it's, it's university of bolton stadium now i think is it something yeah, like that yeah. so so that's always going to be the best deal. But anyway, what we did is we asked on our social media channels uh, and on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group, we asked people, if you were able to pick the sponsor for Brunton Park or rename it, basically, what would be your dream or suggested choice? Um, bit of a mixed bag of uh, things. I think some yeah. people didn't understand the question. Thank you to those people for uh, their input. Um, let, let's work our way through some of them. So... Peter Skull says, I think the residents of Brunton Crescent and Brunton Avenue should club together and buy the re- naming rights and call the ground Brunton Park. Uh, good start there, Peter. Um, uh, Mark Elbeck has uh, said the Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Sounds about right, really, doesn't it? Um, Chris Gibson's got the best of the lot for me. Uh, the XL Cheese Stadium. Absolutely. I might even drop an email to the guys who do XL Cheese and say... Fancy chucking a bit of money in, you know. Cumbria gives you enough money. We keep your yeah. your crisps in. But I I've never seen XL cheese crisps anywhere else in the country. You only Cumbria. see them in the north part of Cumbria and southwest Scotland. It's bizarre because... And I once knew someone who was a rep for the company involved. Mm. And the company wanted to stop making them. And all the reps kicked off saying, we won't sell anything if you do that. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Because I'm thinking like... Because the, the the company that makes them is based in like Corby or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, Northamptonshire, yeah. I think. So, it, 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 everyone might think it's a local company, but it's not. It's just it's just weird. But there you go. Um, Christopher Lavery says the Pirelli Stadium, same as Burton Albion, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Two stadiums with the same name. I, I um, wonder if uh, a certain owner's maybe a blocker there. Possibly, possibly. Um, uh, Brendan Rogers has got a belting suggestion. The Dan McLennan uh, Bowl. <laughs> stupid boy. <laughs> He's uh, having a bit of a fun and games with that one. I think it's fair to say. Um, Ollie Pearson says the cheese, the XL cheese grunt. So clearly a, a popular one. Dan Hutton reckons Pioneer Park. Pioneer Park sounds like something from America. Does doesn't it actually? Yeah, like we're, a bigger uh, NFL. The bottom, we're down in the bottom of the eight for Pioneer Park. It does actually, yeah, quite good that. Uh, Vincent Parker says the Border City Stadium. Um, not sure who's the sponsor there. Uh, Craig uh, Lanchbury says um, the nineteen fifty stadium. <laughs> Probably sums it up about right. Uh, Rob Scott Buckalock uh, has said uh, the Latchville Stadium. 
Uh, <laughs> Paul Slee says Brunton Park. Thanks, Paul. That's what it's called now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of people just saying stick with the name. We know that. We agree with you. We just wanted some random suggestions for what it could it's be like, called. Well, yeah, I mean, Newcastle, Mike Ashley made it the Sports Direct Arena. Yeah. I never heard one Newcastle fan refer it to, to that. No, exactly that, exactly yeah, that. It's, it's just a name for sponsorship reasons, you know what I mean? Exactly. You could call us the Durex Stadium if they paid us loads of money and it genuinely <laughs> wouldn't bother me. No, exactly that. Uh, looking on at uh, our own Facebook page, um, McDonald's to sponsor, and then we can name it the Huey Mack Stadium. Um, that's from Phil Martin. Tim Armstrong, a friend of ours, uh, the Schilling Latch Cortina Memorial Stadium, <laughs> is what he said. And uh, I replied that saying, the player X Arena, surely. Um, that's a little uh, in-joke for anyone who used to post on the old uh, footy mad message board back in the day. It's back, I mean, you're talking, going back about 10, 15, 15 years, 15, yeah, probably, yeah. Uh, David Noble's got a couple of absolute belters here. Um, he's going with the, the Prince of India People's Fanti- Fantasy Stadium. I mean, that's going back 20 years, that, isn't it, to the uh, the farce that was Stephen Brown. Yeah, um, yeah. And... Uh, he also suggests the Les Telford Executive Travel Arena. And again, that that's a lovely little in-joke for anyone who uh, used to post on the Footy Man message board. Um, finally, Robbie Carr says, the Brunton Bugle Park. Um, I wish we had the money to do it, but <laughs> it's fair to say that me and Dan are fairly brassic. I don't know, if, if, if we don't get anyone, we could maybe offer a tenner each and uh, <laughs> you never know. the deal. Hey, you never know. You never know these things, do you? Um and I think that's it, really. I don't think we've got any other suggestions. Oh, sorry. Howard Atkinson on Twitter suggested Jurassic Park based on its ageing infrastructure and some of the horrific games staged there. I think that's probably my favourite, that one, yeah. <laughs> other, than, other than Cheese XL. So there you go. Um, that's the first half done then, Dan. Uh, we're going to take a little break now, and then we'll be back with the second half where we'll be looking ahead to the game against Colchester. Back in just a jiff. Hi, this is George Tanner. You are listening to the Brunton Bugle We've still got George in his cupboard there doing the uh, the halftime uh, break thing. We definitely will. Let's let's grab a couple of, uh, in the upcoming games, possibly. Um, okay, well, um, we're into the second half of the show now, so it's it's preview time, um, and that means we've got to give a mention to our sponsors. So uh, this this season, the second half of the show has been sponsored by the Cal United Supporters Club London Branch. The London Branch is open to all Cal United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore, and of course, every part of London, the southeast. And they've even got members up in Cumbria and Carlisle. Um, they regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events and sports games and they've got their own fanzine as well Hit the Bar which has been running for I think pushing on 40 odd years now I think Hit the Bar as long as the London Bunch has been going and uh, I speak as a former editor it's a, it's a terrific read well worth getting they, they usually sell it in away games for a pound so you can pick up a copy um, they're going to be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section this season too uh, you can find out more about the London Bunch at their website which is carlislelondonbranch.org. Uh, and as you said there, like they're a great bunch of lads. Give them a read, uh, look out. Um, and then, like I say, if you're in exile, they're well worth signing up to because they're, they're really useful in terms of information for away trips and, and things like that. And uh, they've always got the cheese and wine ready, haven't they, Dan? Yeah. They always have. Uh, okay, so um, first up in the second half show, as we preview the Colchester game, um, is our usual away fans uh, section. So this is where we talk to an away fans podcast about how things have been going for them of late and what their hopes are for the season and 
what the hopes are for the game this weekend. So uh, first up, I've uh, caught up with James and Max from the Views on the Use podcast this week to see how things have gone for Collier this summer and what their hopes are for this opening game. So here's a chat I had with them this week. Lads, it was a bit of a struggle for you guys last season, wasn't it? What's sort of your hopes and expectations for this new campaign? Poor, good question, Lee. It's a very good question. <laughs> last, good one to start. I mean, <laughs> last season was a bit of a, I think not necessarily too much of a shock. I, I think, I'm sure James would agree, that not many used fans were expecting us to, to kind of be in a relegation battle. I think we knew we wouldn't perhaps be a, a playoff team like we were the year before. But um, yeah, it was. I think it was mostly, well, for me anyway, it's mostly down to sort of the manager appointment. Um, I don't think we got that very wrong. Um, we let we did let some very good football players go as well, some experienced players, and um, it was a it was a bad year, sort of you know on the pitch. But also, you know, the owner Robbie Carroll, then he you know he did come out a few times and say he's taken a, a bit of a risk by sort of holding back in terms of pumping the money in, and um, uh, and and it paid off in the end, but only just. Yeah, and I think. Uh, like Max says, it was a really difficult year. And I'll, I'll just back that up, actually. I think going into the year, I think we all knew it wouldn't be the year it was before. Um, with the managerial change, I think we were all a bit uneasy with, with John McGreal going after uh, sort of four great years, if anything, mm. uh, with the U's. And, and me and Max, big fans of him and got to see him go. Um, and Steve Ball didn't really fill us with confidence, especially in the early part of the season. Um and um, I think it was quite clear on sort of around Christmas time that 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 this was going to be, a, uh, you know, this wasn't improving and it was going to be a battle to the end of the season. And as Max says, we did it by the the skin of our teeth, really. And and it for us, it was actually it was actually uh, it was weirdly great in a way. It was a bit of a promotion party beating your sort of uh, sort of uh, your local rivals in the Essex <laughs> derby to sort of essentially kick them out of the football league and and you stay in it. So. Um, it was a horrible season overall, but that, that memory will live with us, I'm sure. <laughs> but, I mean, I remember going back to the end of the season that was curtailed by COVID. Mm. You guys, well, you got into the playoffs, didn't you? That's Yeah. And then you actually announced your release list before the playoffs, didn't you? I mean, that, I mean, that sort of opened a few people's eyes. So, ooh, <laughs> maybe there is a few problems there at Colchester at the moment. And obviously, as we saw last season with Steve Ball, it just didn't work out, did it? How's the new gaff getting on? Obviously, you've had a few managers last season, but Hayden Mullins is now the the man in charge. How confident are you in him in whether he's capable of doing the job? Yeah, I think Hayden Mullins is um, is done well so far. I mean, obviously, the back end of last season, he had uh, was it seven or eight games. He did have um, assistance from Paul Tisdale, who obviously mm. everyone knows. You know, he's a very very good League Two manager. We was all very excited to see him join and uh, and I think he really helped I think um, I think Mullins has even said a few times his experience was was brilliant and I think that the players needed a fresh face yeah you know, in the dressing room we had a few sort of internal appointments and I don't really think that helped the atmosphere at all I, th- I think a few players would say it was rock bottom and that fresh face really really helped but I guess the, the proof will be in the pudding how much you know was, was Mullins whether it was a mixture of the two maybe it was a bit more more Tisdale but I think so far that the fans are quite pleased with Mullins. They seem seems to be like a, a nice guy. He's tactically seems to be, you know, quite quite good. He's, he's mixed it up with a sort of a four four two towards the end of last season. I think it looks as though this season we're going to go for like a three five two five three two. However you want to look at it. So, 
and he's and he's you know he's got good contacts in the game. You know, you look at some of the players that, that have joined us. I mean, a lot of exits have played, but some big names, and they've all mentioned in their interviews that that they're, mm-hmm. you know speaking to Hayden Mullins was was a big factor in them in them joining us. So, um, I, I, I mean, James, you might disagree, but I think most Hughes fans are, are quite pleased with, with Mullins so far. But he, I guess, he uh, hasn't had many games to <laughs> really get a real judgment on him. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to, like you say, mate, to put a judgment on it. As we've discussed it on our podcast a few times around, you know, how much of an impact Paul Tisdale have, have. And, um, mm. you know, we had Brent, Brendan Wiradu on the podcast, who's who's a midfielder at, uh, at Colchester United. And um, he, he he said, uh, he did say himself that, you know, Paul Tisdale did have a big impact. Um, but he was also he was also heaped praise on the current manager, as you'd expect, I suppose. But yeah. um he, for, for, from my perspective, he was part of that part of that, um, and a, uh, you know, plan to keep us up last season, um, and he did a fantastic job towards the end. You know, even if Paul Tisdale was involved, um, you know, Hayden Mullins comes with a lot of pedigree and so far throughout pre-season as well. And I think, backed up by the signings that have come in, as Max alluded to, um, you know, it does look like a really strong side at the moment. Well, you've touched on the summer signings, then, so let's just move on to that bit. Yeah. Um, did the manager basically just go for Ipswich Town's uh, release list to, to pick up both of <laughs> your transfers? Because uh, fair play, I was at what seven signings you've made. I mean, four of mm. them have come through Ipswich, but the thing that stands out is it's bags of experience. I mean, you're looking at what nearly 800 games for Luke Chambers. I think nearly 600 for Cole Scoose and you know Freddie Sears and Alan Judge have got plenty of experience as well. It's Freddie Sears, obviously a name that you all knew quite well anyway from his previous spell with the club. But you must be quite Pleased at least to add a bit of experience because you, you've had quite young squads in recent seasons, haven't you? Yeah, the, the club's always heavily relied on the, the academy, and you've seen some great players come through it. To be fair, you know Frankie Kent, Sammy Smoddix, for example. Um, I think, to be honest with you, I think the, the, the squad needed it. You know, you look at the players mm. we released, which you spoke about. You know, Luke Prozer, Ryan Jackson, um, James. The other one's slipping my mind, but it was yeah, Harry Pell as well. Obviously, left, didn't he? Yeah, yes, you know, you're right. Yeah, Tom Lapsey was was one, and so we've lost a lot of experience, and we needed some back in. Like you said, I mean, the, you know, plenty of games, at, you know, a lot of them at championship level as well, um, mm. which I think is it's going to be brilliant. I mean, for me, that um, you might think I'm biased because I'm a huge fan. I I personally, am Judge is arguably the best player in the league. I think that's one that the fans are really, really excited about what we have seen of him so far. He's, he looks very good. So wait till you see Zach Clough at the weekend. Let's just leave it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back. No, yeah. this night we needed it, and there's a lot of very young, talented players in the squad, and I think there's a, there's a, there's a good mix uh, which Mullins has put together. Yeah, and I think um, you know we touched it on. We had a sort of season preview podcast uh, last week. Uh, where we we sort of touched on it, but um, we're quite lucky in sort of our geographical location allows us to sort of pick up some of these players who are quite settled in the mm, area, yeah. have young families. Um, you know, Cole Scoose, for example, has got a young family, um, and Alan Judge as well. I think you know probably one of the big reasons he signed for Colchester United is because he's got a young family just you know ten miles up the road in Ipswich. Um, so we're quite lucky in that respect as well. But I think. You know, despite that, I think these are really good signings. And what we've seen so far, at least in pre-season, is um, Luke Chambers at the back, accompanied with with uh, Tom Eastman, who's, um, in my opinion, I, I, maybe not last season, but certainly the season before, was arguably the best centre back in in League Two. Um, accompanied by Tommy Smith, who didn't have a great last first season last year, um, 
but sort of came on strong in, in the latter half and he's captain this year as well and I think accompanied by them two that back three looked really difficult to, to beat mm. Yeah I, I, I think you're probably fair enough to prefer an Alan Judge I mean I've always liked him I've always been think he's been a good player so he's a decent signing and like, and like I said you all know what Freddie Sears can do and I mean is mm. that one area maybe where you're looking a little bit thin up top I was looking today I think you've just signed a player on loan from Fulham was it this afternoon I think so is it one area maybe where you need a bit of strengthening yeah I think most of fans would say we needed a striker I think we said that on our podcast last week mm. I've had a bit of to and fro in on, on Twitter with a few used fans I'm sure James has seen we had a trialist called um, Richard Kone who um, um, unbelievable story I'd, I'd recommend them giving that a, a Google search he was on trial for us and played I don't know four or five games and was outstanding really was fantastic only 19 played up front um, but he's just been picked up well, I say picked up Brentford have offered him a trial so <laughs> everyone was, was waiting for us to you know see him signed you know, and sealed but Unfortunately, it hasn't happened. I kind of vented my frustration as there's not been a bit more sort of, I don't know, getting it done earlier Decisive. whilst we had it through the door. That's the word I was looking <laughs> for. And, you know, but yeah, a striker is needed. We have got one in on loan uh, today, but um, we had a, a, a loan Eve striker from Fulham last year and, um, <laughs> yeah, he wasn't very good and that's being quite kind to him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think um, Freddie Sears is... It'll be interesting to watch Freddie Sears this year for for, for the U's because um, I think it's the players and around him that are going to be key at his age. And I think, mm. Max, you touched on it in the last pod, I think, actually, you, you sort of said pre-season. Um, he sort of does look like he's maybe lost that little bit of pace um, since when he first played with, played with us. Um, just on Richard Kone as well, I think... Um, all I would say to, to Carlisle fans, go watch his goal on Twitter against Billericay. I'm sure you'll find it on... <laughs> the Coast United Twitter somewhere but uh, that was truly fantastic and we've really lost out there I think um, but but overall uh, I think you know we do need another striker in there I think the the, the lad today who who signed by all accounts is 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 more used as a winger for Fulham um, mm-hmm. so I think I think we are still lacking something up there we do have sort of one one player maybe Jake Hutchinson who's who's sort of a youth player but and might be looking to make the step up this season at sort of I think he's 19 18 19 now so um but um I think in in, in order to sort of get the goals this season we do need another one up top yeah talking about the ex-Cal United links in your squad um I think there's just one isn't there Shamal George he had a short loan spell with us from Liverpool um Started off okay, but then he had an absolute stinker against Stevenage and was never seen again. I think he went back to <laughs> Liverpool in January and it, it just never worked out for the lad. And I know from speaking to Liverpool fans down here, he, I think his head just dropped at that point. And he never really recovered. But he seems to be doing well for you. And he, I, I know he enjoyed uh, the result against us uh, last March. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's fair play. He had an absolute blinder that night. He was brilliant. Never saw that when he was at Carlisle, but... How's he doing? Is he the number one now, or is it still Dean Gherkin ahead of him? It's an interesting one. I mean, I guess we're kind of waiting and seeing, I think. I, I might be wrong, but he hasn't been in the last uh, couple of friendly games. I think we've had hit. We've been hit a little bit by, mm. by COVID. I mean, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, in comparison to his time at Carlisle, I mean, he's been brilliant for us. I mean, he's for me, he's certainly my number one. Uh, James might may, may disagree, but... Um, yeah, he's been really, really good and fantastic sort of shot stopper. He's tall, he's good in the air, he's, um, and he's good with the ball at his feet. He's only young as well. I, I think most of these fans have been really impressed with him, certainly 
certainly I have. It's uh, yeah, he's been very good when he has played. Yeah, I mean, um, it, like Max says, I think we sort of this is the season where we find out if he's if he's coming in as number one. Really, I think last season Dean Gherkin was was really the number one, but uh, George managed to get in there for a few games, um, and when he did play, he he put on a really good performance. Um, I think Dean Gherkin's probably been losing it the last couple of seasons. He didn't have the greatest season last year, and in fact, I think most used fans would have predicted him to be released at the end of last season. In fact, I'm pretty sure not one used fan realised he actually had another year left. Um, so, um, yeah, I can't really fault George. I think, um, for me personally, though, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Dean Gherkin. He's come through our youth system. He's a bit of a club legend, in my opinion. And, um, um, yeah, I think I think the one thing that, that George is missing at the moment is probably he, he does, I think, he looks uh, more comfortable with the ball at his feet than Dean Gherkin, which is quite important when you're playing the way we play. Um, but uh, I think at the moment he sort of lacks that perhaps bit of leadership quality that you need in the goalkeeper to sort of organise that defence. But having said that, you know, touching on the solid back three that I talked about earlier, you know, maybe that's not such an important thing. But I think this is the this is the year we find out if he can sort of break into that number one spot. On the flip side, obviously in the Carlisle squad, the uh, the link to you guys is Brennan Dickinson, and he's been a bit unlucky with us so far. I think it's fair to say, picked up an injury last preseason didn't really play until Christmas and then just as he was starting to find a bit of form he got another bad injury that ruled him out for the season I'm guessing he's still quite fondly remembered I think he's pretty much had the best fall of his career with you guys didn't he yeah well I was going to ask you there actually about about Brendan Dickinson I had a look at the squad and I just forgot really that he was that he was there For, I mean James we did a, a team of the decade last mm. year and one, I'm sure one of us it might have been me that put him in it actually to be fair he was he had an unbelievable sort of year before he picked up a, an injury which kind of curtailed his, his time of us. He's had it quite bad with injuries. I mean, on his day, he's sensational. He's got I say a wand of a left foot. It's more of a bullet as a mm. of a left foot. Very flexible. He's played at left back for us. Played left wing. It's um, yeah, it was really really good for us for, for, for a year. But again, injury just hit him quite hard. It's um, I think it was a, a shame when he when he left. I think he went to M- MK Dons. But yeah, when he was fit and was firing he was yeah a very good football player yeah I'm trying to remember when we had him now it's sort of probably getting on to sort of four or five seasons now I think but um yeah like Max says when it on his day he was he was fantastic he'd put you on the edge of your seat he could play uh he could play he could play full back he could play wing back he could play wing um I even watched him play centre midfield one game he's so versatile um and you know he wasn't afraid to run at run, run at people um and uh, put put the opposition on the back foot. He was absolutely fantastic, and um, yeah, we, we we were pretty gutted to lose him actually. And um, uh, I think he, he, I think we saw him down at Exeter at some point as well. But like Max said, he's been he's been struggling with injuries. But if you can keep him fit, he's he's arguably the best player on the pitch on his day. Yeah, he has just been desperately unlucky when it since he signed for us. To be honest, he mm. he looked sharp last preseason. Chris Beach very much sees him as a sort of left wing player. In fact, I think he, he almost sees him on the sort of left side of a front three and mm. putting the ball into the box and, you know, taking set pieces, that kind of thing. We haven't had a player with a left foot as good as that since Danny Granger, really. And he was brilliant for us and obviously sadly retired a couple of seasons ago now in management. Um, but yeah, we're hoping, we're hoping he's going to do mm. well this season. He's taken the number 11 squad number, so that suggests that very much he's in the uh, first 11 potentially um, 
in, in terms of this weekend's game, are you guys going to be coming up to it, or are you uh, are you still waiting in terms of away games for this season? Some start, isn't it? <laughs> Come along. It's strange, isn't it? We've been waiting to go to games for so long, and then the first away game you can go to that you get is is bloody Carlisle. You think? <laughs> yeah. Probably, right? yeah. Wasn't that uh, the last one? Wasn't it, Jen? The very last one before the whole lockdown. I think was. was I think you might be right there, you know, as well. Yeah, I think you, so beat, you last, battered us three 0 I think. Yeah. Yeah, our last away game before the the lockdown was uh, a three 0 win away at Carlisle. Um, <laughs> like you say um but uh no i mean i'm not making a trip up this weekend um mainly because uh i've been told that on the way back down you can expect a a, a uh, double double the time it takes to get up there due to all the diversions at night oh, it's, it's terrible uh, yeah um so <laughs> uh, for me not this weekend but i'm looking forward to i i have been up to Carlisle before um and i i, I quite enjoy it up there it's, it's nice and peaceful around your ground actually um <laughs> So, uh, yeah, no, I've been up there before, but uh, I won't be up, be up there this weekend, but um, I'll be supporting from home. I guess the same for you as well, Max. Yeah, I would love to go. It's one of them ones which um, I would love to do. You know, Cumbria's a beautiful place. It's, uh, my partner's um, gave birth to, to a little girl oh. on Saturday, so it's... Congratulations. But, yeah, no, yeah, it's a... I think what well, I'm hoping we'll be, we'll be taking a few up there. I mean, certainly what you read on, on mm. Twitter, there seems to be a few people who have said that they're going. So, um, yeah, it's crazy how it works, isn't it? The last game, the away game we was allowed to go to was was your lot. So hopefully they have a, a similar result for us. Well, I, I hope not personally, but it's, <laughs> uh, it's £10 to get in for the game. So hopefully that'll attract a few more to, to come mm. for it. Um, looking at the game itself, have you got any predictions for it? We'd like to ask the opposition podcast what their predictions are for the game. Ooh, good question. God, I'll let Max think, go first on this is one. It, it's a bit, little bit to sort of like, you know, when you play for tournament football, don't lose your, your, your first game. But then it's, good, it's a tough one. It's so Our team is so different to how it finished last season. We got rid of so many players, you know, quite a few players have, have come in. It's, and like I said, Mullins is going to go for a new sort of system with, with 3 5 2, and it, it's going to be interesting to see how, how that works. Um, I'm going to stick on. The fence. I'm going to go one-one. I mean, it's they. I mean, obviously, we, we're not too sure about um, how Carlisle are looking, but we we think we're looking fairly strong. And I think a draw will probably not be the worst result in the world. I'd go one-one. Yeah, I'd be I'd be happy with a draw. I think, like Max said, it, this is really where we're going to find out how. I think this is the first time we're going to see the 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 Cole U for the season. So. Um, um, I think with the, I'm hoping that the the back three live up to to my hype. Um, they probably won't. I predicted Morecambe to go down last season, and I predicted Barrow this season. So, yeah, but uh, no, I hope I hope they live up to the hype. And I think if they do, I you know, I, I, like I say, I struggle to see where a load of goals are coming from this season. But I'm hoping Freddie Sears can nick one, and and we come away with with what a one nil win. But um, I, I'd be happy with the draw. Thanks for your time, lads, and I hope you're wrong, but all the best for the rest of the season. (laughs) Thanks, Thanks, mate. Okay, thanks once again to James and Max for giving up their time this week to talk to me. We also spoke to them for their podcast. That should be out at some point. We'll put that up on our social feeds. Um, Yeah, they they seem mildly optimistic, don't they, about all things Colchester after a couple of sticky years there. And I think I, I was a bit sort of... In the season preview, I think we were sort of thinking that they might improve slightly, but not much. But having listened to them and had a look again at their squad, I think those four experienced players coming in might just help them. 
kick on a little bit more. But the key for them, obviously, I think is keeping injury free because they've got a very small squad, haven't they, Dan? I think it's fair to say. Yeah, we, I think we mentioned that in the season preview, the size of the squad. They've, they've, you know, they've, they've raided Ipswich for fun. And if if we can keep them all fit, you know, they'll do all right, you know. Yeah, it's, 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 it's sort of expectations, isn't it, management? I mean, as I mentioned there on the thing there, I mean, a couple of years ago when they, they got into the playoffs, they announced their release list before the playoffs even took place, didn't they? And that that straight away said to you, mm, there's there's been a bit of a sort of, I don't know, they're, they're doing a little bit of a refresh here, aren't they? And I think last season was always about just keeping themselves safe, kicking on again this season. And I think bringing those four experienced players in will make a massive difference. Um, so looking ahead to the game this weekend, um, first up, referee Peter Wright. Um, it's his fourth season as an EFL referee. Um, he's handed out 92 yellow cards and three red cards last season in his 32 games in charge. He refereed United three times last season, actually. The uh, 1-0 defeat at Scunthorpe at the start of the season. Look look back at that result. That looks an absolute stink of a result, doesn't it? Yeah. When you see how bad Scunthorpe were over the season. He also refereed the 1-0 home win over Mansfield uh, at Christmas. And finally, the 0-0 draw with Port Vale, which was not a classic at the end of the season, where Gimme Touré was booked on one Port Vale player. Um, so he's not one who hands out too many red cards. Average, like average free a game, is it? Which, you know, it's, it's probably fair enough, you know. You know yeah. That's the way it is. Um, in terms of head-to-head record, Colchester are four ahead of us on this. They've won 23 games. Uh, we've won 19, and there's been 11 draws. I mean, this actually, I was looking at the head-to-head list online when I looked at this and it actually shows our win in the auto windscreen shield final as a win over them that was a draw so technically it's actually 18 wins and 12 yeah. draws yeah. so we're a little bit behind because it's one of these teams we all seem to lose to for me that we always seem to struggle against them last time we met this this is one of those games that was behind closed doors last season but we almost didn't see it at all didn't we Dan because it was a, a a farcical game that started in thick fog where it was right peak super, wasn't it? Oh, it was ridiculous. Because I think, actually, from the commentary position, James Phillips could actually see most of the pitch anyway. But he was commentating stuff that we couldn't see a lot of the time. Yeah, when it went to the yeah. far corner, you couldn't see a single thing. And I'd, it was hard to tell who scored the goal, wasn't it? Because obviously John Mellish scored our goal in the first half. And then second half, we just collapsed, didn't we? Callum Harriet um, scored a brace, including a... A disputed penalty, which actually looking back was a, a pretty soft decision in their favour, wasn't yeah. it? Um, we were actually awarded a penalty in this game, weren't we? I think they had a penalty overturned at first, didn't they? And then they got given another. And then we were given one, which was overturned. Um, correctly, I think it's fair to say, when you look back at it, it wasn't really a foul. It, it, would, it would have been very soft to have been given in our favour. Chris, Chris Beach wasn't happy for a long while after, <sighs> was it? It, it was a, it got a bit tiresome after a while. The first couple of games, you might think, fair enough, but then when you're coming into April and you're talking about, oh, we should have had that penalty against Colchester, you think, it's been over a month now, just just let it go. <laughs> yeah. No one cares anymore. That's not the reason we're struggling. We struggled that night because we just didn't do enough and we didn't make any subs. I think that was the bigger problem that night. So... Yeah, it, it, it was one of those games to forget last season in the second half of the campaign. Um, I've picked a classic clash out here. I mean, a lot of people, this is going to be a new feature obviously in the preview for this season. Now, a lot of people probably would have expected us to pick the uh, the 1997 Auto Screen Shield final, but... The actual game was rubbish. Oh, it was dreadful, wasn't it? The highlight was Rory Delap cutting a corner flag in half, trying to cross the ball, wasn't it? Yeah. And the fella running around the pitch with the flag getting cheered on by the... 
the fans. That was genuinely the highlight of the game. It was pretty awful by the penalty shootout. So actually what I've done is I've picked one from uh, three years ago, which is a 4-0 win over Collier at Brunton Park in December 2018. This was when John Sheridan's team was starting to click, wasn't it? It was, wasn't it? It was weird because he, he had that... There was a point, I think we lost against MK Dons in this season, didn't we? And at that point, it was looking as if he might walk, wasn't it? There was, there was talk that he wasn't happy and... Shock horror, John Sheridan's not happy about something. That's not a surprise, is it, really? And it, it was looking potentially as if he might just leave. But then we got a good result against someone. I can't remember it was. But, and we suddenly went on this incredible run. And I think we won something like seven in a row, something like that, I think it was. And this was one of those games. We, we beat Oldham on Boxing Day, the famous game where he was fuming after the match, even though we'd won 6-0. Um, and this one, we won 4-0. And when you watch back the YouTube highlights, we probably could have won it even more comfortably. Yeah. What what we'll do is once we post the episode up, we'll uh, we'll we'll also tweet the YouTube and, uh, highlights. Include a link yeah. a link to it. Yeah. So the goals from this game came from Hallam Hope with a close range effort, and Jamie Devitt another one where I think he picked up a rebound from a shot by Jerry Yates. Yates then got his own goal. This was when he was really hitting a purple patch, and finally Danny Granger got a goal in the 90th minute, which was a free kick that. It's a bizarre free kick when you look back at it because he, he lit, it's about 35 yards out and he just drills it and it bounces a couple of times before it gets to the keeper and he dives out of the way of it. It's a really, really strange goal. But you take them any way they come, don't you? So uh, there you go. Um, the next new feature we've got for this season, um, we're going to look at people who've played for both clubs. Now, I've got a list of all of them here that I could find. But you're, Dan, going to go through and... Pick, a, pick one out in particular and focus on them, aren't you? Yes, a random one. And mm. for this first one, I'm going to pick a local lad, uh, Paul Reed. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Paul Reed, uh, Harrowby lad, uh, came through the youth youth setup at Carlisle and made his debut in 1999. Only played a handful of fixtures. It's about 20, was it, I think? In the yeah, year, so tw- 20, give or take. And the mighty Glasgow Rangers came in for him for, mm. for one of those transfers that doesn't really get talked about much, but they actually paid decent money for him. About, you know, it was he, about half a million, I think it was, wasn't it? I it think was, that was before think, add-ons. Yeah, I think it was like sort of in the half a million to three quarters of a million range, you know. Mm. But uh, no, it didn't really it didn't really happen for Paul at Rangers. I mean, that was the period, though, that Rangers had a, an incredible squad, wasn't oh, yeah, it, really? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Rangers and Celtic at that point, just you compare them now... To, yeah. to then it's chalk and cheese isn't it the quality oh they yeah had. yeah really yeah. nice yeah so when, while he was at Rangers he had a, a, a loan spell at Preston mm-hmm. uh, he only played a game type sort of thing and then he went to Northampton uh, on loan and this was where he reconnected with Martin Wilkinson wasn't it he was yeah he was ma- manager there wasn't he I think I thought possibly yeah and uh, his loan became a permanent deal in 2003 uh, he impressed enough for uh, Northampton in that all three or four season that he went to Barnsley for mm. four years. And he paid uh, about hundred grand for him or something like that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He he became quite an established player at Barnsley. It was mm. only in his his last season where he came back on loan to Cal United. Mm. But uh, he had he had a bit of injury trouble at the time, so he didn't really feature. Well, I think he, then, he only played. Tw- I think because it says that he only played forty five minutes when you look online, but actually I think it was only about half an hour. He made his debut in a game, and he he was doing well. And he looked, you thought oh, he, he looks a class act. 
And he pulled up with a really bad injury, and you thought, oh, this is just rotten luck, isn't it? And he didn't play again that season. Yeah. And then July 2008, after leaving uh, Barnsley, he signed for Colchester. Hmm. Uh, he was actually, not many people know, he was threatened with legal action after a challenge in a game. Uh, hmm. It was, uh, I think, Matty McNeil was left with concussion and Jim Gannon basically said, we're collecting all the evidence and presenting it to the police, but... I don't think anything ever happened to that. But uh, no, he had uh, three seasons at Colchester and he went to Scunthorpe for a couple of years and he went back to Northampton for a year. And then he did. Uh, he had a couple of good years at Eastleigh when Eastleigh yeah. were pushing in the uh, National League. Mm. And then he, uh, he went to Whitehawk and then he went back to Eastleigh. And uh, most recently he was development and academy manager at Sunderland. Yeah, I think he left that role last season at some point. Yeah, um, yeah. He, did, he, he managed Whitehawk for a short while as well, didn't he? I thought, imagine that, possibly. Uh, possibly, yeah. Yes, he was, he was joint interim manager. Oh, there you go. I knew yeah. something like that. But yeah, because the boss went to join Aston Villa as a scout. Ah, right. I mean, it'll be interesting to see where he he, he turns up next, really, because obviously he's clearly got a bit of a bug for the whole youth set up things, you know. You never know. Maybe he'll turn up at, turn up at Brunton Park one day, possibly. You never know. You never know. You never know these things, do you? But yeah, but that's, that's the first of our random they played for both. Yeah, well, the good stuff. Well, here's a list of the ones that I managed to, to find, Dan. Some, some interesting names in here. Carl Hawley had a short loan spell there, I think, uh, during his time at Preston North End. Um, Jabbo Bere, got to mention Jabbo every time. Um, Jack Marriott, he had a spell there as well. I mean, he his loan spell with us wasn't anything to the right hand. He just wasn't was ready, it? was he? No, he wasn't. And then he went somewhere else, and he was he was outstanding, from what I remember. Um, the great man, yeah, indeed. Stefan, oh, the, the, the great man. Stefan. That's how we that's how we introduce him. The great man, Le Grand Man. Yeah. I don't know. Le Grand was Monsieur uh, Stefan Ponovacci, the the human, you know, the the wardrobe himself. What what a, what a player! What a player! He, I think he, he fit was, was the last club he played for in England, Colchester possibly. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think he finished his career there. Um, obviously, you've mentioned Paul Reed already. Kristen Ribeiro, star of uh, Homes Under the Hammer. Homes Under the Hammer, property <laughs> developer now. Indeed, indeed, he had a he had a decent loan spell with us, didn't he? I mean, he was yeah, covered yeah. when Simic got injured at the start of the. 11-12 season, I seem to remember. I think that was around about when he was with us. Around about that point. I remember he had a good loan spell. Um, we, we had some good right-backs on loan about that time. Uh, Tavernier as well, didn't we? That uh, He was at Rangers now. Um, Mark Tierney. He was on loan during the conference season, wasn't he? Yeah. And and he was on loan from Oldham. And then he got a move to Colchester. And I think from there, he got a really good move to Norwich, didn't he? And I think he might have even played in the Premier League for Norwich, possibly. But then he got a bad injury and didn't really feature much after that. So interesting one, him. This this is a this is a proper blast from the past. This one, Winston White, what a player. Uh, only had six games on loan, didn't he? I think, or no, sorry, not on loan. I think it was a short term contract, wasn't he? But he made, he made a big impact in those games for us, sir. Yeah, he was very popular with the fans, wasn't he? The crowd loved him. Ben Williams. Amazingly, we got sixty five grand out of Colchester for him. This is the period where we we rinsed Colchester. For him, yeah. and I think, and for another player we'll mention in a minute, for for transfer fees that were probably above what we should have got for those players. Yeah. But that said, apparently he did quite well at Colchester. He was quite well liked. So yeah. one of those ones, he had one season with us. We managed to get 65 grand for him. You couldn't really grumble too much. Off the back it. of that game at Leicester, probably. 
he was outstanding in that game, Leicester, wasn't he? Uh, next up is a player who um, I suspect right now doesn't regret his career choices because he's sunning up in Australia. He's probably enjoying it out there. But at the time, maybe regretted uh, leaving United TC. And it's Tom Aldred. He was um, he obviously only played five first team games. Did you forget that? I know. Incredible, wasn't it? And the, the problem is, if you look back at it, we only offered him a one year deal extension. I think if we maybe offered him two, he might have stayed. Yeah. But um, he ended up going to Watford on a two-year deal. We got a bit of compensation, but never played a first-team game for Watford. Ended up no. going out on loan. No. He had various spells in his career after that. He went to Accrington. He, um, was it he in went... Caledonian Thistle at one point? No, I think he went to. He was at Bury, and then he went on loan to Motherwell twice. Motherwell, yeah. And he, had a, and he was really popular at Motherwell. They, him and Ryan Bowman were in the same team there, I think, and did really well. Um, and then when his contract was up at Berry, I think Berry went bust actually it was the reason his contract was up uh, rather than uh, just, just you stop Mr Rooney he did play for Inverness Canada did he oh well there you go I, I, I on couldn't... loan for four games oh well, those four games they're unforgettable those four games weren't they never um, argue with Fostato yeah <laughs> to be honest I thought you were mixing up with David Raven for a minute who obviously had a, an incredible spell there didn't he he was yeah. very popular there um but yes, obviously his time at Berry came to an end, and now he's at a in is it Brisbane Raw, I think, isn't he? And he mm-hmm. he's he's their captain, and I mean that's, that's a lovely old job, isn't it? Really, just playing your football out in Australia, can't grumble. Next up, another man who's a bit of a legend around these parts, Warren Aspinall, um, had a loan spell there, I think, from, from his time at um, at Brentford, possibly was it? I think maybe he was on loan from there after after he played for United. He had a short loan spell at Colchester today, but I think he's the second best spell of his career outside of playing at Portsmouth was with United, wasn't it? Yeah. Those 100 odd games and that unforgettable goal at Brighton that people still talk about today. Uh, up next, Ian Atkins. He managed both clubs. He actually played for Colchester as well as a player manager for a short while, but obviously he's been manager of Colchester and Carlisle. Uh, a player I think both sets of fans probably forget quite easily, Gary Borrowdale. T- two games he played for us. Um, I can tell you now he had a, an absolutely stinking attitude. So we were all rid of him after those two games. Um, Jamal Campbell-Rice, Mr. £500. I still can't believe we paid a £500 transfer fee Ridiculous, for him. Ridiculous, isn't it? Just, just so bad it would be, could say they got a transfer fee for him. Absolute madness. So yeah, J- Jamal Campbell-Rice, who had a short spell with us. Simon Hackney is the other player that I mentioned before that we got a... We got about 125 grand for him. I think it was we? 105 grand, I think it was, we got in the end. Yeah. And fans really lost their rag, I remember, after that. They're really furious about it. But truth be told, he, he never quite kicked on after that 2007-2008 season, did he? No, no. At that point, you thought, he's a player we were going to sell for big money. But then the season after, he really wasn't as good. And I think... He had a couple of little knocks as well, didn't he? Yeah, and... and the truth is, he never really performed after he left us. He was never quite as good yeah, again. Yeah. Uh, and two more to finish. Phil Hadland, who had, I think, five games for us, probably similar at Colchester. When, when we were churning through players. Yeah, and a, and a player that a lot of people might not realise played for Colchester, Mike Edwards. He had a short loan spell at the start of his career at Colchester too. Um, mm. Less said about his spell at Cal United. I didn't know he better. played for them until I saw him on the list. Yeah, you know what? I was going through the. Uh, there's a way I go and research these things. When I saw his name pop up, I was like, "Surely that's a different Mike Edwards." And I clicked, and I was like, "Bloody hell, it is! It's the same uh-huh. one." So there you go. Um, okay, well, let's get on to talking about Colchester themselves, Dan. Um, yeah, I think we, we we talked about this the season preview at the start of the week. We're expecting a a tough season for them. They flirted with relegation in 2021. 
they are relying heavily on that mixture of youngsters and those four experienced heads brought in from neighbours Ipswich Town over the summer, aren't they? They're, they're the four key players in their squad, really. We'll get onto the star man I've picked out in a minute, but they're the ones that they must be looking to and saying, we need you to perform this season. Yeah, definitely, yeah. There's there's going to be a heavy leaning on them, isn't there? Uh, we've already slightly mentioned it yeah. with the size of the squad and that, but... Yeah, mm. the, the manager for this season is Hayden Mullins. He's the ex-Palace West Ham and Portsmouth midfielder. It's his first full-time management role. He, he actually spent four years as Watford under-23s manager. It seems to be a sort of popular route for a lot of young coaches these days, isn't it? They take an under-23 role to sort of get the ropes a little bit and then they step up to a full-time manager. Yeah, role. yeah. Probably he, not he, a bad idea, actually, is it? He was, really was interim manager a couple of times as well, wasn't he? Because yeah. Watford's owners <laughs> go through... Yeah. Uh, go through managers like we have breakfasts, you know. Yeah, they, they, they certainly like to change things up, don't they? Um, he was uh, actually assistant last season at Colchester to Steve Ball. Um, as we heard from the, the lads just there, uh, from the Colchester podcast, the appointment of Ball just did not work at all. It, it, was, it was one of those ones, they, as soon as they saw him appointed, I think a lot of their fans were like, this one's not going to last. I don't think it's... They always tend to promote from within, don't they, at Colchester? They don't tend yeah, to look outside. Yeah. And I think this was one... One step too many. You do find with clubs that do that, they get to a point where they exhaust the options, don't they, and end up appointing someone who's actually <laughs> not very good at the job, to put it brutally. Um, but actually, when Ball was sacked, he was overlooked at first, and Wayne Brown, former goalkeeper, was given the job. But um, interestingly, Brown actually had two jobs at once, didn't he? I think he was still manager of a non-league side, technically. <laughs> they just let him take on the, the role for the time being, because there was no non-league football being yeah, played. Yeah. But he was actually dismissed after a short while. One of the, I think the only win he got in his spell in charge was against Carlisle, of all teams. That's just, sounds about right, doesn't it? does sound about right, doesn't it? So uh, he was then given the caretaker job. He won three of his eight games in charge. And I think fans were fairly impressed with the job he did in steadying them in that last sort of run-in. Um, although there's a lot of talk of the fact that Paul Tisdale being in his sort of a... Um, he wasn't assistant, was he? I think he was sort of an advisor, wasn't he, in a role there during that spell. Um, yeah. And I think his his influence certainly helped them to to, to do pretty well. Um, but he got the job permanently. His assistant now is actually Alex Dyer, who was in charge of Kilmarnock last season. And things didn't go too well at Kilmarnock last season, I think it's fair to say. So nah. interesting to see how he does. But I think he was actually assistant to Steve Clark, wasn't he, before... Yeah. One of the one of the coaches to Steve Clark at least anyway, um, before he went off to take the Scotland job on. Starman. I could probably have picked any of the four yeah. Ipswich lads or t- t- for this. It probably would have been um the lad that they sold to uh Peterborough this week, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um but Luke James is the one I've picked out because eight hundred first team appearances near enough under his belt. Thirty six years old, you know, so he's he's still at a good age, isn't he, for a centre back. You'd imagine he should make a big difference for them at the back. He's sort of going to be the Clint Hill role, isn't he, that we had the other year? Absolutely, and a similar level of experience, isn't it, really, when you look at it? it's Yeah, he's um, he started out in Northampton. He's had spells at Nottingham Forest at Ipswich. I think he's been at Ipswich for the best part of a decade. So he's coming on. And I think, actually, when you look back at it, he's played near enough every game he's been available when he was at Ipswich. So bags of experience. He's not actually played at League 2 level for a long time, I don't think. So 
be interesting to see how he gets on in that sense. But with, with that level of experience, you should think he should be fine. And um, other, other key members of the squad we picked out. I mean, obviously, the other three signings from Portman Road. Freddie Sears is returning for his third spell, having been on loan and permanently from West Ham in the past. Um, yeah, uh, it's the first time he's played at League Two level, though, actually, again. So... Interesting to see yeah. how he gets on. Uh, Alan Judge is going to add a bit of attacking plays. He's always a player I've really liked. I think he started out at Blackburn. Had his spells at, I think, Brentford and at Ipswich Town. He's always played uh, quite well against us, hasn't he? He has, yeah. I seem to remember for, for Brentford, he had some good games, didn't he, in yeah. the past. Again, another player at first t- at League 2 level for the first time. And Cole Scoose coming in as well. I mean, he's got 600 first-team appearances. Plays in a defensive midfield role. It's it's almost like these, these four are the spine of the team, isn't it? Yeah, basically, you you almost go straight down that spine. That, that, yeah. That's the plays you've got, and that that level of experience. I mean, should, I mean, I can't see they've been in a relegation battle as long no, no. as long as they keep the squad fit, because that's the key thing. When you look at it, they've only got a squad of nineteen players, and the, the summer recruitment, bringing experience, it's clear that they they want them. They're probably going to rely on some of the sort of YTS players coming through, aren't they? I think and. I think they've got a few first-year pros who maybe aren't listed in the first-team squad in a lot of places, similar in the way that Fishburne and Breeze and Simons aren't listed for us in a lot of places. Um, I think they'll probably step in if they really need extra players. Yes, I think you look at the summer recruitment, we mentioned those four players there, but of the seven signings, four of them, those four they've signed, are over 13. Frank Nublay, who they brought back, he turns 13 September. Yeah, yeah. It's all about experience this season. Yeah, definitely. They've learned their lesson, haven't they? Um, one young player who has left the squad this week, though, is uh, talented youngster Kwame Poku. Uh, he's joined Championship side Peterborough United for a substantial six-figure fee. I mean, Peterborough have been busy this week, haven't they, the last couple of weeks? They've, they seem to be raiding League Two clubs, which is what they do really well, don't they? they yeah, yeah. They, they pick the best talent. They signed um, is it Joel Randall as well, I think, from Exeter this week. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I saw they signed another player from somewhere else. I can't remember who, but they're basically stocking themselves up for the championship. And if they go down, they've still got a squad ready to, to jump back up at the first attempt, haven't they? That's the key thing. So as I mentioned, they're working with a tight 19-man squad. Expecting a uh, probably a, a tougher task than maybe you would have expected at the start of the transfer window from from them because they they looked a bit weak, but those those experienced players are going to give us a a tough test this weekend. You'd think, Dan, wouldn't you? Yeah, uh, I don't think I certainly don't think it'll be any form of a walkover. No. You know, they'll they'll want to put their stamp on their team, make make it known thereabouts. Uh, I'd like to think we've enough to beat them, but. Uh, yeah. It's one of them. We won't know until we see what team we put out and uh, what uh, what's all lined up. So yeah, Dan. Let, on to all things United. Um, we sort of said in the season preview we expect the playoffs. You'd think surely we can kick on, and when you look at the opening, what five or six fixtures we've got up to the Salford game on the start of September. It's not a bad start, really, is it? It's not a bad run of fixtures. I mean, take away maybe the, the Port Vale away game. You probably would have been fairly happy with that set of fixtures. A good chance to potentially get 9, 10, 11 points on, on the board, possibly from these opening games, isn't there? Yeah, uh, there's certainly no one to be afraid of. Uh, you say Salford's probably the first real test, which is, yeah. what, the fifth or sixth game? I think it's, yeah, the 4th of September, I think it is, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, so let's let's put a marker down and 
you know, the division know what we're about from the first half of last season. Mm. Let's let's go and do it again and, you know, get get teams worrying about playing us, you know. Yeah. Uh, how much do you think it's been an advantage to have a, what has been a, a pretty calm and uneventful pre-season period? Because we, as we did the season preview, we looked at a lot of clubs and it's been chaotic for some of them. Obviously, we mentioned Swindon and Rochdale and, and Oldham. But even clubs like Northampton and Tranmere have been bringing in, what, 11? I think Tranmere have had another player, actually, this week. So that's 12 players they brought in. Northampton have brought 11 in. Other clubs have been bringing dozens of players in. We're pretty settled and, and we're just sort of tweaking around the edges, aren't we, really, when you look at it? Yeah. Uh, it's It happens every summer, though, doesn't it? You know, there's there's wide, widespread movement nowadays. Uh you would like to think we're settled, uh, like you say, by calling off a game because we had a couple of niggles. It's been, and you just worry about the level of opponent. Apart from Blackpool, you know, yeah. as we said earlier, Halifax wasn't the uh, the most taxing of games. But uh, in terms of getting minutes in, you know, most of the players have got the minutes in, uh, and it's been pretty uneventful. Yeah, knock and niggle, but nothing. Too serious by the sound, so hopefully Chris Beach is happy with it and we're we're ready to go. Yeah, that, that that's what you'd hope for, isn't it? But I mean, you mentioned about the pre-season fiction. We've we've touched on this a few times in the last few episodes about the fact that we would have liked a higher standard of opposition. But then when we were doing the season preview, we we're looking what games other teams have been playing, and not many teams have had a good pre-season. Actually, when you look through it at League Two level, there's been some. Even some of the better, I mean, you look at even Salford, you know, you'd expect them to be getting some big games. I mean, yeah, they beat Derby, but I mean, I think anyone would be beating Derby right now. Yeah. An absolute mess. But they haven't really played a great standard of opposition. And, you know, then even when you look through someone like, the only team I can see that actually played some decent opposition was Rochdale. <laughs> Rochdale, I think, only played one non-league side. And they picked up two draws against League One clubs, lost against championship clubs, and then beat Oldham 5-1 in a bizarre fixture that no one understands why it happened. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I I think having a settled pre-season and having a settled squad as much as anything, like I said, we're only really tinkering on the edges. We're not making major changes, are we? We're sort of filling a a few positions that we knew needed to be filled and bringing a couple of players in as cover as much as anything, like goalkeeper and an extra defender and a couple of extra attackers. That's what we're doing. They all seem to have sort of blended in already don't you know it's it's it, it, you're not looking and thinking oh someone's struggling to settle there i mean there's people a lot of people talking about we'll get into it in a minute but Whelan comfortably starting the opening game and you know he's only coming in at pre-season and other players i mean attacks probably the, the area we'll talk about in a minute where we're not sure what's going to happen yet but as we mentioned it, it, i think having that settled pre-season it, i'm getting myself a bit excited here, i think i and the more I look at the more I think, actually, I'm, I'm quite confident going to the start of the season because there's no chaos at the club. We've seen yeah. it in year, year, going down the years where there's big changes and stuff. It really affects us. And having having that settled setup makes a huge difference, I really do think. Yeah, what, come on, it's Carlisle United. What's happening? Something's brewing. It's far too quiet. Definitely, definitely. Always always happens, doesn't it? Um, are we hoping for a bumper crowd this weekend? Obviously, we'll get onto our predictions with the attack because we're going to do attendance predictions this season. But with the offer that's on and obviously the club saying they sold 4K in advance and over the walk-ons, it, it, it's a real chance to play in front of a, a big crowd on the opening day and, God forbid, actually winning an opening day because as John Coleman pointed out, 
We've only won one opening day fixture in the last ten years, haven't we? Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's not been the best, has it? But uh, no, like we say, we should we should be on for a good crowd. And uh, I haven't checked the weather forecast what it's like, but uh, he is to a good start. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's have a go then at sort of trying to predict the United eleven. Obviously, as the season goes on, it'll be settled and it'll be much easier to do this. But first game, and obviously we've so many different teams being picked in pre-season, it's, it's sometimes difficult to work out what's going to happen. And one of the first things that stands out actually this season is what formation are we going to play? I, I can't really work it out yet because obviously last season we played 4 3 3 but we've lost Coyote, who was a big part of that, and playing that direct sort of style, wasn't it? And you know, picking him out on the right and working from there. And we're bringing Clough in, who's a different sort of player. Who's you know, it's almost a number ten. Do you think we're going to switch from that four-three-three maybe to that four-two-three-one? It, 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 it's hard to judge, isn't it? I think we could be quite fluid in games and switch mm. between the two. Yeah, because uh, as as we've said many times, Chris Beach is a. Uh, He's a man of uh, what's the word? Not he's not he's, he's very repetitive. He doesn't like change for the sake of change. No. Nope. So I I do think it'll be four three three, but possibly slightly adjusted. Yeah. Maybe Clough's given a bit of freedom to sort of move from out wide if he plays yeah, plays at yeah. that position, or maybe he plays it almost as a false nine and drops deep, and you've got your two wide players who come in maybe to to fill the striker roles and. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, let's go through the positions then. Goalkeeper, who gets the nod? I, I'm on the fence with this one because Norman played the full 90 minutes against Halifax, didn't he? But I think that's because he hadn't really featured in pre-season due to injury at the start of the uh, pre-season campaign. Jensen came in and played most of the time when he arrived by that game. I, I have a feeling Jensen might just nick it just based on the fact that he's sharpness levels will be a little bit better at the moment if you're Magnus Norman you're disappointed though aren't you you are but you also have to face up to the fact that you've missed most of pre-season you've only really played two games or three games it's it's, it's probably the one position where we we can't make a definitive guess isn't it exactly exactly that and Jensen's also got the benefit of the fact that he's coming off the back of his loan spell in Iceland where he played seven games in a row didn't he and his sharpness level should be better than most players in the league in terms of goalkeepers because of that so I have a feeling he might just give the nod to Jensen but it could go either way it's 50-50 yeah. really in terms of that defence I think it pretty much picks itself by the left side of centre back doesn't it I mean yeah, it's, Jack it's Armour's starting isn't he we, Tanner we don't and know. Armour at full back yeah. Tanner yeah, maybe then. there's a little bit of question about because obviously Whelan played a lot of pre-season right back but no, for me he, he, if Tanner's he, fit he starts isn't he? he's played 70 and 90 in the last two games I think so yeah you'd imagine he's going to start I mean he's, for me if he's fit he starts every game because he's that yeah. good he really is um, Aaron yeah, Hayden is going to start it's, it's, it's basically who plays beside Hayden and you're looking at one of McDonald Feeney or Whelan who would you pick uh, possibly Feeney if he's fit, mm. so I, I, I think there's a lot, a lot to come from him. For me, Feeney's out of contention just because he hasn't played enough in preseason. There is that, so yeah, much. which could possibly push McDonald up. Yeah, for me, right, I know a lot of people have been saying, "Oh, it's got to be Whelan start." I'd be angry if I, McDonald I starts. I think Whelan's probably better from the bench because he can cover several positions. Yeah, that's the way I'd look at it, and I, I think actually, 
McDonald gets a lot of stick and we're big fans of his on here. We think he's a lot better player than actually people make out. And actually he's looked pretty sharp in pre-season. He's missed a couple of games because of, for whatever reason, suggestion was potentially was isolating due to being pinged maybe. But actually I think he's looked, he's looked pretty sharp in pre-season, looked good. He looks in good shape. And him, him and Hayden, actually people sort of overlook this. Before Bennett arrived last season, him and Hayden were really starting to form a good partnership at the back for me. I think I think it it, it it just goes a little bit under the radar that and I, I think I think it's gonna be McDonald's just on the basis of the fact that Feeney's missed too much of preseason to start. So I think you'll probably find it be Whelan and Feeney will be the your two subs as defenders on the bench, is my feeling there. Midfield, I mean this is dependent on <laughs> the formation, isn't it really? Whether yeah. we go with that four three three or the that four guy starts, one. doesn't he? That's a nailed on one. If we're four three three it picks itself. We know what the first choice midfield three is because they did so well last season. It's going to be Guy, Riley and Mellish. There's no doubt about that as your midfield three. If he goes 4-2-3-1, it's Guy and one other. I think it's probably Riley just because yeah. he's got a bit more discipline about him and he gets about the pitch a lot and he's a, he's a different style of player to, to Mellish, isn't he? Mellish loves to bomb on and get into the area. In that four-two-three-one, it's a different role. You can't bomb on as much. I don't think it really works in Mellish's favour. So I think you probably see Riley there. And it's interesting. Riley's actually filled in at left back a lot in preseason, hasn't he? In games mm. and left wing back. So I wonder with having someone down the left, potentially if you're playing Clough off the left in your front three, having Riley midfield helps because Riley's going to drop back and support Armour yeah, left yeah. back when he needs to. So. I wonder if there's a bit of thinking in there potentially. So we think maybe Mellish might miss out potentially. A bit unlucky, I think, because he's he's again looked sharp in preseason. He's still getting his goals. He, you know, he looks like he's carrying on where he left off last season. So maybe a bit unlucky for for Mellish there. I mean, as well as that, we got back up in Divine and Charters and Dixon this season. We've got a bit of an embarrassment of riches, haven't we? Yeah. Midfield players. It's really good to see. In attack, I think we all agree. Clough's starting. Whatever happens, give him whatever role he wants, basically, because he's been yeah. brilliant in pre-season. But then, who gets the central striker role? Do you play Clough as a false nine? Or it's one of Abraham's Mampala or Alessandra. Who, who would you go with? <sighs> Decisions, isn't it? I mean, Alessandra seems to be a bit of a forgotten man, I think, with our fan mm. base at the moment. Yeah. Uh, you could make a case for all of them. I think possibly Mampala... Maybe not because he's slightly rawer, but he seems to have been finding a bit of form. It seems yeah, as yeah, he's got yeah. his contract, his confidence seems to have shot up. In the last few games, he started in games and he's got a great goal against Everton under twenty threes. He looked sharp against Halifax by all accounts. He started that game, so I wonder if maybe he started the game thinking, "I want to see actually how he really does." Because I don't think he played necessarily as a front sort of striker in some of the early preseason games. And since he's moved to that position, he looks a bit better. So I wonder if he's got an eye on, maybe he'll come in there. But mm. but then Abraham started the preseason on fire. He's maybe been out of it a little bit in the last couple of games. But he was linking up so well with Clough. So you wonder, does he go with him? Maybe Would, would you potentially use him, Dan? I don't know. Who'd be a manager there? It's, it's tough, isn't it? It really, genuinely, I think that's, other than goalkeeper, that's the one position where it's really actually tough to pick who's going to start there. I yeah. wonder if he might sort of alternate between the three of them in the opening month just to try and work out in certain games, certain plays will suit it. A game where we maybe want to sort of, someone who's going to hold on to the ball up front, you pick Alessandra. Games where you're looking to 
get someone to run in behind the defence. Potentially, that's why maybe you look on Saturday, you look at Ipswich's defence, you've got Eastman, whatever you call him, who's, is he something like 28 or something? Yeah. Tommy Smith's in his early to mid-30s. Chambers is 35. You're not going to have much pace in the defence, are you? So you no, maybe look no. and stick someone like Abrams up there to, to run in behind. Yeah, we know Abrams is all about pace, isn't he? Yeah, I th- like I say, I think our, our front line may change depending who we're playing and how they play. Yeah. Brennan Dickinson, obviously against his old club this weekend, potentially. You'd think he's probably going to start because he's started most of the preseason games, hasn't he? And he, he's looked like the player we hoped we'd got last summer mm. before he picked up his injury, hasn't he? He's looked really sharp in those matches. Be interesting to see where he plays if he does. I think he's going to play on the left, isn't he? I think that's where he's You would think so. Because I know that he, he liked to play those sort of inverted wingers, didn't he? Last mm. season, Beach, but he doesn't seem too fussed this year. I think he's quite happy to have natural wingers in there. And maybe that's where you have someone like an Mampal or an Abrahams in the middle finishing off the chances. Whereas some someone like Alessandro is probably not going to get into the middle to finish those chances in the same way. So maybe that is thinking. Could we see a surprise starter here, Dan? I've picked a, a young lad here potentially to feature, haven't I? You're going to mention Lewis Bell, aren't you? Lewis Bell, your, your favourite mention. You mentioned the fact that. We've heard rumours that scouts are circling and watching him, but he's, he's played a lot in pre-season. I know you're a bit cynical about this in terms of, oh, we're trying to hawk him out, but he's looked good in the games he's played. He's oh, played, yeah, yeah. He's played a few positions. He's played right back in a yeah, lot of the games. Yeah, he ended up well. right back against Halifax, didn't he? Yeah, I think he's done the same in a few other games. So you I, think, I think that game just descended into shambles once all the subs are being made, though. Yeah, potentially that's where you're looking at it. Yeah, I, I, I have a feeling that... I don't know, I just think... I know in the Halifax game, you sort of start with that front three of Mampala, Alessandra, Dickinson. I don't think it'll be exactly the same for this game. I think he'll change it up. I think Alessandra might miss out. I think he might start one of Mampala or Abrahams. Mm. And I wonder if Bell might feature, possibly, mm. on the right. I think just something is almost like a little wild card that opposition are not going to know as much about, possibly. that That's that's my, my line of thinking in terms of that, so... Interesting to see if he's used. Gibby Torres looks sharp in preseason. We've been impressed with him, but don't think he's going to start. We think he might have the super sub role possibly to start mm. the season and come on when teams are some, tired. Some interesting decisions to be made. There is, isn't there? And obviously you've got your, your young lad Sam Fishburne we mentioned before. I think he might not be on the bench for the for the opening few games at the very least, but I'm sure his chance will come as the season goes on. Um, yeah, some, some very interesting decisions to make in terms of the team. We're... We sort of decided, I think, about 70-80% of it, but it's maybe two of the forward players, centre-back and the goalkeeper that we're not 100% on, are we? We're still undecided in terms of who will play in those positions. Okay, then, it's the bit everyone's been waiting for, the match predictions, done. So this season, what we're going to do, we're going to keep a record and we're sort of going to almost do a point start to see who sort of wins and we'll give give the winner a little trophy or something like that, some cheap thing bought from a second-hand shop or something. So... What we're going to do is each game, we're going to predict the score. We're going to predict the scorers. And we're also going to try and predict the attendance. Now, in terms of how we'll score this, I haven't worked it out in my head yet. But I think the attendance one is whoever gets the nearest to it gets a bonus point or something like that. Yeah. Um, in terms of the result, obviously, that's far too easy for us to I, guess, really. I, I, so. I would do two points for the correct result, five yeah. points if you get the correct score. Yeah. And goal scorers um, you get a point for each. Point for each, as long as they're within sort of the, some of the, the scoring parameters, because you don't want people guessing 
ten nil and then putting every player down to score, which I know some people will try in games. Mentioning no people, Mike Booth. Um, but yeah, so there you go. So go on, Dan, you go first. I've got Mike. Mike has sent his predictions. He couldn't obviously make the recording today, but he sent us the predictions. So I'll I'll play those in a minute. So let's have your score, scorers, and attendance for this game. Uh, two nil win. Clough and Dickinson and a crowd of 6,123. Okay. Um, nice one, two, three in there. I like that. Um, okay, let's have Mike's before I do mine. So here's what Mike... I all I asked Mike to do was to send me a WhatsApp with the scores, the score, the scorers and the attendance. He sent me the score and the scorers and then had to send me the attendance one separately because he forgot. Absolutely useless. One job. So here we go. I'll play these in two separate clips. I am going to go for... 3-1 to the Blues with Abrams getting two and Clough getting one. And an attendance of 7,243. Oh, he's wow. going for 7K, yeah. isn't he? Blimey, he's, he, he thinks he's going to get a 7K for Colchester. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, right, mine now you need. Uh, well, what I did the bit with the Colchester lads for their cult podcast, I went with a 3-1 win and I'm not going to change my mind on that. So I'm going to 3-1 win with goals from Clough. Dickinson, and uh, I, I think I went for Mellish on those, but I'm going to change my mind now. I'm going to go for Mampala to get the third. I think coming on as a sub later, he'll get a third goal. Um, and the attendance, I'm going to split the difference between the two. I'm going to go 6,763. So 6,763 is my attendance for the game. Um there you go. So that's the preview bit done. Uh, let's get on to the X-Files to round things up, Dan. Uh, not as busy as it's been recently, because it's been quite quiet. No goals in this section, actually. I noticed that when I was putting no, it together. No, nobody up in the Scottish League Cup scoring. So. No, so it's uh, we'll have goals next week, obviously. Yeah. You think be, be uh, transfers. Uh, former Kiwi keeper, Max Crocombe. Yeah, it went from Melbourne victory to Grimsby Town. <laughs> that, that's a that's one hell of a downgrade, isn't it? Yeah, really, my yeah. word. He was it. He actually was at Brisbane Raw with uh, Gillespie and um, Aldridge, Aldridge, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Mark Cullen has finally signed for Hartlepool. I think we mentioned in the season preview it was they were just waiting for him to recover a knock so he could do his medical. That's is that gone through. that that's a, effectively a move back home, isn't it? Because I think he's from the yeah, northeast. He's, he's a northeast lad. Yeah. 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 Uh, Liam Lightfoot, who we released in the summer after his one year as a pro, has signed for Workington. Yeah, uh, he's, he's, his brother's there as well. Carl Lightfoot is there. Yeah, he's, I think he's in uh, the academy, but he's actually played for the first team. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Swales, who left the the youth setup in the summer. Went to Gretna 2008, but has already gone to Carlisle City. Yeah, Carlisle City putting together a decent squad this season. Yeah, it? got, beat, player, got beat last night, though. So. Jarrah, I think it was a late goal, wasn't it? I think yeah, Jarrah, wasn't yeah. It? yeah. And the pantomime villain, we'll see him in a couple of weeks. Harry McCurdy has signed for Swindon after this trial there. This has got to be a last chance though for him, you'd think. Yeah. As a football yeah. league player. I mean, yeah. do you see his introduction photo? Wearing his uh, Buzz Lightyear t-shirt. <laughs> some boy yeah, fair play like he does what he wants and yeah, you know, yeah. that's the way he lives his life and yeah. I'm sure he'll be delighted to be a little bit closer to his beloved Chelsea as well so you can yeah. go and watch that a uh, couple of coaching moves uh, Paul Arneson is doing well in his coaching career down under There was a, I found a piece about him 
And Tony Elliott is now in a new role as assistant head coach of Birmingham City Women. I think he's been in the setup there, hasn't he, for a while, though, hasn't he? I think he's been based back down in Birmingham. Yeah, he's, he's been doing his keeper stuff and he runs keeper schools and all whatnot. Yeah. A uh, few little other bits. Uh, summer trialist George Sykes Kenworthy has signed for Boston United. Have you seen they've got a new ground, Boston? Yeah. It's a lovely yeah. little setup. It's a, you look at it and you think, oh, something a little bit bigger for us would be perfect like that, but never going to happen, is it? <laughs> no. Uh, X Blues striker Sean Miller yeah. played as a trialist for Nantwich Town near Crew. Mm. I, I used to know someone in school. And I'm this indulge me here. This is this is a little bit for one of our listeners, Simon, who's a friend of ours. Um he a lad went to my school who'd moved up from the crew area and um he'd been in Crew's Academy for a little bit and then left. He was a very good footballer. And then he signed for uh Nantwich Town and I think he was still sort of technically a Nantwich Town player when he came up to us. And he would always bang on about the fact he played for Nantwich Town. It wasn't until one of us actually looked it up on the internet and we saw how low down we were that we just ripped the piss out of him for it. He that was is. a he was a he was an an odd lad, to put it bluntly. Good old uh, Kelvin Jones he was called. Uh, Dean Furman is now on trial at Wrexham after ending his spell at Oldham I mean to be honest if, if you're Dean Furman you look at the options of going to either Oldham or Wrexham right now you'd go to Wrexham wouldn't you of course you would because big things are happening there So, and mm. a little bit of sad news that we picked up uh, yeah. one ex-blue and a, a one game wonder from our special mm. Ron Oosthuizen uh, passed away through the week so yeah. I mean, he only played one game for the Blues, but I think he settled in the city, didn't he, for, for quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, so. he, had a, he had a business and whatnot. Uh, some of the older listeners will know. Yeah. But uh, fought with his family and friends. Indeed, indeed. Agree on that one. And that's it, Dan. There we are. We're at the end of the episode. Um, it's going to be another long one because we've got a bit from, um, from the guys from Colchester. So... Uh, enjoy your listen everyone it's, uh, yeah we'll be we'll be back down to the hour mark in future with just with it being the first game of the season there's always that little bit extra indeed indeed there is um so yeah uh once again thanks to our sponsors the london branch for sponsoring part of the show this season really do appreciate that it's really helped us in terms of uh some of our costs with hosting to make sure you can all get the the podcast as easily as possible um on that note uh just reminded everyone if you listen to this online or something you can subscribe to the podcast get yourself a podcast app on your phone whether that be Acast. Uh, you can use Spotify, you can use Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, all kinds of different apps you can use. Um, if you go on there, just search for Brunton Bugle, click subscribe, and you'll get every episode as they're released. It'll come straight into your little uh, inbox there. And as well, on those apps, if you can give us a, re- a review, a five-star review, that'd be brilliant because that's the way that more people get to find out about the podcast in all the podcast charts and things like that. Um, that'd be really, really appreciated. Um, in terms of the world map of listeners, we haven't updated this for a few episodes, Dan, but we've got a new country. We're, we're venturing to Central America, aren't we? We are. Costa Rica. Hello to our Costa Rican listener. If you're listening right now, thank you. Thank you for becoming part of the family. We still haven't got around to actually putting together the full map, have we? But San Jose Blues. Indeed, indeed. So I'll, I'll put I'll put together a, a map that shows all the different countries where we've got people listening. And um, So yeah, just before I finish, in terms of upcoming episodes, um, I'm going to be recording a few bits uh, on the match day on Saturday. Um, I'll be speaking to a few people, asking them what what it's like, what's it like to being back at the match for the first time in God knows how long. Um, if you see me out and about, I'll be at the game. Just come over and say hello, and I'll I'll be happy to record a little bit with you, and you can you can tell me how you're feeling about 
being back at Brunton Park. Um, we'll hopefully get that out on Monday. Um, alongside that, we'll do a little special mini preview episode on the Sheffield United game. We won't be reviewing the Colchester game in that episode because we're just going to keep it a little small, like half an hour episode. Because we're having a we're having a chat with the the Blades Pod guys um, f- to talk about thing, all things Sheffield United as part of that as well. Yeah, so that that's what we've got coming up, and then obviously. At the end of next week, we'll be doing the preview episode for the Swindon game where we'll review the Sheffield United and Colchester games as well. I think that's it as well. I think on, on Saturday, I might be doing a few little bits on our um, Twitter feed as well. I might do a few little fleets, those little uh, mini videos you can do. Oh, Just hate those fleets. Well, there you go. Then I'm going to be doing them. So I'm going to do a few little bits on our social media feed of what it's like being back at the match. Um, it's going to be a different experience for me, actually, because I'm actually coming up on Friday night and I'm coming through from Cockermouth with my good mate Rob, who's not been to a game for... Probably pushing on 10, 12 years, maybe. You remember Rob from playing in the old sports yes, games back yes, in the day. Yes. So, uh, so Rob's going to be coming to the game with me and we'll go, I'll, I'll catch up with him as well. We'll maybe do a few little bits of him about what it's like being back at Burton Park for first time in a while. There you go, Dan. I've got to head off and get on with a few of the bits. I'm sure you've got a few bits to get on with today. You've got to get ready for the fans forum tonight. Yeah. Should be good stuff. So uh, thanks everyone for listening uh, and up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.